Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Do we know each other? Not yet. I'm Catherine Banning. And whose head are you after? Yours. You're enjoying something. A worthy adversary. An entertainment. Do you really think I'm going to sleep with the man I'm investigating? Hmm? <laughs> Always get your man? Mm-hmm. Think you'll get me? Oh, this must go over. With whom? Whomever you bring here. Uh, I never bring anyone here. Well, you got your hand caught in a cookie jar now. How are you going to get out of it? You don't believe it's possible that you could ever trust me, do you? You're transferring assets, getting ready to run. Suppose I did run. Then what would you have? Not the painting, $5 million fee, and not me. Do you want to dance? Or do you want to dance? I want you to do your job, because right now you're acting like a junkie. This is about money. It's not about the money. You like the chase. I can live here tomorrow. So can you. Tommy! How can I possibly trust you? I'm going to trust you. All right, round, like a circle within a circle, something... Uh, with the windmills of your mind. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if you've seen the original movie here, but I have, and it's one of my favorite uh, 60s heist movies, and that seems like a very specific thing to point out, but there are a lot of really good 60s heist movies, so that's not a backhanded compliment to it. And I had never, I had never seen this. Uh, Wait, you, until now? Yeah, for this, this podcast? Is a, yeah, this wow. is the first time watch. Okay. And I guess I didn't realize how good of reviews it got when it came out. For some reason, I just assumed it was one of the 90s. This is, this is why it's bad for critics to like toss off, you know, the like remakes the way they did, is because you, the, then you get to uh, a movie like The Thomas Crown Affair, and I didn't even read the reviews. I just assumed they, they didn't like it. Uh, and it turns out this got really good notices <laughs> in I think that is definitely... <laughs> Definitely user error on that point. Well, hey, <laughs> you get burned enough, you know, you, it's just all noise. Um, so, and I, and I came into this really 
liking Pierce Brosnan, really liking Rene Russo. I think Rene Russo is an actress who still has not gotten her due. I'm really uh, flummoxed. I'm really flummoxed by this. I don't know who she like killed, uh, you know, that she's being, you know, gotten this treatment from Hollywood, but, you know, talk about someone, she's just been really terrific in almost anything she's been in. And, you know, Ransom, I think, is one of the, you know, one of her strongest performances. Uh, and she was terrific in Nightcrawler, a movie that I watch probably once every three months or so now. And boy, Jesus. I'm just I'm just shocked that she has not gotten more of more of a career from, from you know, from Hollywood. She, you know, she she still looks fabulous. Like, I just don't I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> well, she uh, she took it looks like six years off, uh, in two thousand five uh, after yours, mine and ours, uh, and two for the money. Uh, she had two films and didn't appear again until Thor, two thousand eleven, and did Thor: The Dark Dark World after that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Ben. Maybe she just you know wanted to raise a family or just uh, you know live on her riches from her. But she was definitely a. Um, she was a big, like, player in mm-hmm. a lot of successful films in the '90s, like you know, *Lethal Weapon* three and *The Line of Fire*, uh, *Outbreak*, *Get Shorty*, *Tin Cup*, *Ransom*. I mean, it's just a sort of a murderous row of hits in the '90s. So I don't know. Is this by choice, or is this just Hollywood with women of a certain age uh, being cast aside? The latter. Um, so that's I why also... I led with sexy times <laughs> on this one because I felt like it was a conscious choice to be like, you know what? Uh, still a very beautiful, sexy woman, and she's going to, I believe, go nude for the first time. And um, even though the sex scenes in this are not explicit, I remember that being all anyone talked about when this film released was like, "Oh my God, Pierce Brosnan, Rene Russo, uh, they they have these, they have like actual sex, like on screen, which is." Funny when you watch it, you're like, no, mm-hmm. it's just maybe, <laughs> maybe like more explicit than what we're used to with what movie stars were allow allow themselves to be shown doing on screen. But um, that was funny. Like I'm sure as a 16 year old when I first watched this, I was incredibly disappointed. Probably more so by this than I was like Eyes Wide Shut as far as the way it had been hyped to me. But I watch it now and I'm like, well, that's that's kind of funny that that's what this was known for. Was this was like some huge sex thriller when it's just a really nice playful thriller that has playful scenes of two consenting adults uh, enjoying sex together. Yeah. And, you know, so I really enjoy the interplay between Brosnan and Russo here, Russo here quite a lot. I too have a vague memory that, that, that there was some talk of the sex scenes and everything, but I don't, you know, I, I guess it just, it's just one of those that like, I never really thought to myself, I should really watch this kind of deal. And that being said, in recent years, I've also been going back to John McTiernan's work and discovering that it's a lot stronger than I remember it being. Not just the big catalog titles like Die Hard and Predator, but going back to Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is somewhat of a sequel that kind of just gets tossed off, I think, sometimes. But you look at that sequel, isn't it interesting how different it is than the, than the other Die Hard films? Uh, you know, and, and sometimes when that happens with a franchise property, people really react negatively uh, against it. 
and uh, and Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, you know, stands out in a really good way in that it manages to do something very different yet remain true to the spirit of the original, which you know, having the original director helps. Uh, but also, which I mean, yeah, they've been beaten. <laughs> well, I mean, it would have been foolhardy for them to uh, attempt to out Die Hard all the Die Hard ripoffs, including the very successful Speed. They came out the summer before by like oh where can we where can we put john mcclain now what what trap space can we put him in uh, there was a wesley snipes movie with passenger 57 uh i feel like there was another one on a boat uh, with another action star uh so yeah i, I actually it's funny you say that because i always thought of like die hard with a vengeance like oh that's the good die hard sequel mm-hmm. like you know there's die hard 2 which i think i saw once as a kid and didn't care for but yeah, for me, it's just Die Hard and uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance was also, also has a great title. Well, you've insulted the great auteur, Rennie Harlan, at this point. Uh, Look, we, we... <laughs> I believe, you know, a few episodes back, you, you said that he peaked with Deep Blue Sea. So uh, I apologize, you know, that I, I don't remember Die Hard 2 getting a, uh, a mention when we were ta- discussing his films. So we'll mention it now. I, th- I, uh, I, I remember being disappointed in Die Hard 2 quite a lot. But I watched it probably about two years ago, and I thought it, I thought it was better than I remember it being. It's still not nearly – it doesn't come close to, to the first film, and it's way too much of a rehash in, in certain respects. But it's better than I remember it being. So going back to John McTiernan, though, I'm curious to ask you if you have recently seen uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Last Action Hero. Mm. No, not since I was a uh, I was probably age appropriate to the actual like kid, mm-hmm. like the child leading mm-hmm. that. I saw it. I enjoyed it when I was a kid, but I've I've never watched that one as an adult. So weirdly enough, I just turned it on randomly, uh, probably about a few months ago, and I was just shocked. I was absolutely shocked how much I was enjoying it. I really thought I would I would hate it or find things to to really. Uh, that would really stick out in a bad way and everything. And I was shocked by the end of it, how, how much I, you know, I was with it and it's, it, it, it fits very well with sort of the scream movies and the self-referential meta humor of the nineties. And so just, I, I don't know. I'm just basically the point I'm saying is that John McTiernan, I think is an underrated director a movie. We haven't, I haven't even brought up the hunt for red October, which I think is a very strong film as well. Um, oddly enough, like, like I really, so this whole, so I wanted to find out why he hasn't made a movie in like 10 years. And so prison, didn't he? Yep. And, uh, so granted, you know what? So it was for, uh, wiretapping his business associates and, you know, who hasn't done that? Um, like right now, (laughs) I mean, you know, right now you and I are wiretapping each other basically, (laughs) uh, you know, but, but we're not going to take each other to prison. So, you know, big to do over nothing. Uh, let John McTiernan make movies, just, you know, keep him away from technology, I guess. Uh, (laughs) maybe difficult to do. Well, it does Uh, seem, it does seem unfair that, you know, John McTiernan, this wiretapping thing, he's just gone forever. Uh, Brian Singer, Kevin Spacey, everyone's clamoring them for them to like, like return or whatever. Uh, what? uh <laughs> <laughs> I have heard this. I know it sounds completely ridiculous, but I've heard this from people. Uh, I mean, it sounds, it's ridiculous if you just have seen a Brian Singer movie cause they stink. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing I always felt good about, 
uh, before the mob came for him for his you know other crimes i was just and by the mob by the like, mob you mean like people who have who have a soul uh like you know right i mean what is <laughs> i i don't know uh you know we're we're really getting off of thomas crown i guess here, so but yeah I, I would say the the mob that i'm speaking to are the ones that have a soul when it's hip to have a soul uh not the ones that you know the a lot of the accusations against brian singer uh, have been around since the 90s, uh, since, you know, at Pupil. Uh, so that's the, the, the stuff that uh, I find hard to swallow there is the, the timing of these things. Uh, yeah, but sure, we can all get on board with having a soul. That's a good thing to have. Okay, let's get back to Traumas Chronicle. I don't want to go off Yeah, this. Uh... Or Last Action Hero, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> so I enjoy so much of this movie, and I'm a big fan of the original, and, uh, okay, some of the things I really enjoy about it, I really, really was surprised how much I enjoyed this musical score by Bill Conti that, that immediately, like, grabs you from the beginning. And there is this interesting tone going throughout the movie of, of a, kind of an emotionally detached uh, uh, intellectual tone, which is quite surprising for a mainstream heist movie from the late 90s. And I enjoy some of the, the a lot of the relationship uh, drama and, and humor going on here, too. And I find myself really invested in these later scenes in the movie where they're really questioning, you know, whether they're like we've seen we've seen these scenes in movies a lot. But I found myself with it and I found myself caring about whether or not they're going to stay together. Do we know each other? Not yet. I'm Catherine Banning. Thomas Crown. Who do you work for? I'm in the art world. Lila? Mm-mm. Gallery owner? No, it's closer to insurance. I'm covered. Not for this. The painting. Monet, you don't think they'd simply cut a check for a hundred million dollars, do you? So you... Get them things. When there's this much money involved, it usually means I get them someone's head. And whose head are you after? Yours. Good evening, Mr. Crown. So all that being said, all that being said, I would say the final two scenes of the movie are are kind of a letdown for me. And so they repeat this image of this one painting uh, with the guy in the bowler hat a number of times. Mm-hmm. And they repeat yeah. it a number of times, but then I still get to the final line and she makes a reference to something about, you know, um, I guess this is a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for the Thomas Crown Affair. Well, yeah, um, you're jumping ahead to the final two scenes. My goodness, I want to talk about the sex. And you're like, well, let's get to the very ending of this. It's okay, do you want to talk about the sex first? What do you want to say about the sex? I liked the bit of trivia I read where there's a sequence uh, where they're on one of his like vacation islands and uh, she's wearing just uh, a towel, uh, sort of covering her breasts, and uh, she whips it off to then uh, sort of lasso him in around the neck. And I like that they had to have like uh, like a weighted towel because she she or they couldn't get it right, just the right way, I guess. You know that uh, that felon McTiernan uh, wanted it to look on screen uh, around his neck, and I like that attention detail. With uh, you know, you make fun of me, but this you know playful like adult consenting relationship unlike you know mr singer uh that we have here and i uh i like that it takes time on those those moments because often 
What I mean, what would you say the closest uh, film to this before we get to the end and you spoil it for people, uh, spoil the hell out of it? Because I don't know if this is one that uh, has stuck around uh, in people's minds. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, so. I would say the closest, uh, which was a failure upon release just a year prior, was uh, Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight. Oh. Uh, as far as the uh, the relationship, the dynamic between the two, that uh, almost from the jump, uh, these adversaries like have this uh, playful rapport and this clear like sort of sexual chemistry um but i probably the one thing i prefer about thomas crown fair to out of sight is that (laughs) the the sex is not built like they actually have a scene in out of sight where like they the characters have to talk about like what they just did like you know what the the sex means uh and i like that these two characters can clearly sort of separate that because they're they're adults and they've lived in the world for you know, 40 years or 50 years at this point, these characters, they're not uh, two teenagers trying to like hash out exactly like where they stand with each other. Uh, that doesn't ever seem to be on the table with Thomas crown affair until it looks like he's going to get away. He's going to get away. And, uh, I like that the way Russo plays it, you don't know if it's, is she personally offended or professionally offended that, you know, he's going to win over her by, by getting away with the painting and, and, uh, you know, making her look foolish in some way. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, that's all you, have to I, say well, on it, you can jump to the ending if no, you want. No, I'm can... just, I, I've never thought of out of sight as a, as a financial failure, but I guess you're right. Uh, and, and what's funny is I think that film has remained in the conversation more mm-hmm. so than Thomas Crown Affair, uh, which, which is probably just because of Soderbergh being more popular than, than McTiernan, I would think. And not a criminal. <laughs> no, no. Well, not not criminal. yet, not yet. You know, he can. <laughs> well, he made Rollerball to... after this, so then. <laughs> I have seen Rollerball, and I remember it being really bad. Of course, uh, you have. So... <laughs> it's got your favorite actor of his generation. Oh, you're right. Mr. You're Chris right. Klein. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Uh, I, I I've seen the the remake of Rollerball, but I haven't seen the original. Um, I don't think I would like well, either. Okay. Uh, All right. Really well, there's something today. I have not seen the original Thomas Crown affair, which you should. My, you should. Uh, yeah, and I have no excuse now, and I haven't for probably like you know the last decade or more. But I remember at the time I bought, I enjoyed the Thomas Crown affair. Uh, I didn't see it theatrically, um, but I'd see it on video, and uh, I remember they had. I think they had the trailer on the original DVD for. Uh, for this remake for the original mm-hmm. film. And so you could see some of the, like, you know, where, where it got some of its sense of style from the characters. Cause it was a very, you know, it was a very cool trailer uh, with Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway, who, who makes sort of a, I guess like sort of cheeky appearance in this film. You know, she seems to be having fun just poking at this, uh, at Pierce Brosnan's character, just at his ego. Um, so th- is that something you want to talk about? If you're such a huge fan of the original, like, you know, what, uh, what does this one do right as far as remaking, uh, you know, a very successful previous incarnation of the story? So I, I think the original is very strong, obviously. It, it's, I, I think you might like it, uh, but I've been burned on that, you know, before. <laughs> uh, it's very well edited. It's edited by one of our favorite filmmakers, I'd like to say. It's edited by Hal Ashby. And that was one, oh, okay. of, the, one of his, you know movies coming up, uh, you know, uh, you know, in his career and everything that led to him, you know, becoming a director. Um, yeah, that's, it's a really strong film. I, so let's get to the, so getting to the ending, getting to the ending. So, so the differences between the original Thomas Crown Affair and this one is that it's a bank heist in the original Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, and also 
and, and so in, in the remake, it's, a, it's an art uh, thief. And so one of the things that I think contextually hurts the remake here is that now with all this technology and everything and blah, 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 it's a, it's a lot harder to convince the audience, I think, that this guy is going get, to get away with this. You know, mm -hmm. like I find myself questioning that for sure. Uh, I enjoy uh, the final scenes uh, quite a bit. You know, if I can if divorcing myself from that thought, you know, but but uh, but in terms of just logically thinking it out, it's hard to see how this guy gets away with this. Um, I think so. The endings are very different. So here. So, OK, spoiler alert for the Thomas Crown Affair. OK, spoiler alert. That's probably the longest gap we've had in Swillert because <laughs> I just stopped you dead in your tracks like two minutes in. It's like, we're going to talk about this, this, and this. But yes, now you can do that. Spoiler. You can do that. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the last two scenes here, she goes to a helicopter pad and she thinks she's going to find him, but it's not him. It's some guy that just has a painting that he's stolen. And then she goes to, so she forgets this painting and she doesn't know what she's going to do with it because it's probably worth, you know, millions of dollars. She goes to an airport, buys a plane ticket, and then to ask the, um, the, 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 you know, the, the clerk at the, you know, at the airport to send this, you know, painting off to, to send, send this like suitcase to, uh, you know, police officer. And, and, you know, maybe it's just because it's a pre 9-11 thing. But it's hard. It's kind of hard to believe that this woman is just like, oh yeah, this strange, uh, hey, you know, case here that you want sent person. to, uh, you know, the chief of police. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> you know, sure, no problem. Well, uh, I was, you know, beyond that, I was also thinking like, hey, this is your line of work. Uh, you may not want to leave that up to <laughs> this person to do this for you might have, or for this oh, package not to be damaged. This looks pretty yeah. nice, this uh, Monet thing here. Yeah, okay. yeah. This will look nice above my fireplace, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully yeah. the dog doesn't drool all over it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then, and then even then beyond, the, you know, it's, it's a more conventional ending where we see the two get together and she says something along the lines of, I'm going to break both your arms if you do this again or whatever. Um, even though I'd seen the painting repeated over and over again in the movie, I guess it never occurred to me that, that one of his arms is broken in it, you know? And mm. so it, so when she has this final line, I didn't immediately connect to it. <laughs> and I so I'm either. just, yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking like, oh, that's a weird thing to say, man, Rene Russo is getting abusive already. This is, this is not going to work. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to rethink, uh, Ilsa and, uh, Harrison Ford in uh indiana jones and the last crusade um so yeah it's funny i i enjoyed like everything else uh up until that point and that's the only thing that makes me kind of second guess it the ending of the original is more ambiguous and mm. a little I, I think a little bit more mature uh so <laughs> and easier to accept so that would that would be the th I, the original has a really great uh special edition from Kino Lorber that, uh, you know, that is worth every penny and it looks fantastic and people should check it out. If they Here we go. What's the, uh, the subtitle of our podcast, you know, the uh, oh. home video releases <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the DVD review from, uh, from Ben Zuck. Uh, okay. Let me say the one thing I, uh, sure. dislike about this movie. Dennis Leary. Mm -hmm. Just don't care for him as a performer. as a whole. 
I mean, I don't know him personally, but I, you know, as <laughs> for his acting roles, I, I've also not really been exposed to his uh, comedy because I think that was, his peak was before my time, uh, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s when he was, I guess, doing stand-up or doing specials. But uh, no, uh, as when I feel like uh, some movies, it's like they try to force like comedians in to to like side roles where they're like, oh, we need. It's like we need a little flavor here. This is kind of like a vanilla, boring character. You know, he's the he's the other guy that's sort of there to reprimand Rene Russo for like, better be careful about that Thomas Crown. You know, what, what have you been up to? He's like the parent staying up late, like you miss curfew. Um, and he's got this horrible haircut that's very distracting. Um, he's got a sort of, you know, he's got a stilted delivery as far as where he, I see what they're trying to do where they're bringing a comedian uh, to kind of punch it up without like doing the work and the script, but it's just it's sort of a boring, thankless part. And every every time he walks into a scene, I'm sort of groaning at you know Mr. Buzzkill coming in to like ruin our fun. Um, he's no you know to go back to uh, out of sight. You know he's he's no uh, Michael Keaton coming in for a brief cameo uh, to be sort of made fun of as like the other the other guy. Uh, here and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You just get maybe a better character actor to take this this role. I don't really have anyone in mind, but uh, I just don't really. Yeah, I don't like those those portions at all. It's kind of like where we have the the Greek chorus like coming in, and it's like they're uh, they want to point out that you know maybe maybe our our lead character here is having a bit too much fun and is in over her head. Uh, and I just don't. I'm just not here for it. Don't care for it. I'm totally. I have total confidence in Renee Russo, and really, only her opinion matters when they're in the the rooms with the other detectives. For me, you know, I've just never. I've never been big on the on the hair critiquing thing. Like I know some people get really into that, and and I remember it's horrible. What I mean, what do you mean? I, 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 I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think. I, oh, I, I so so going off on a How tangent. Going off on a tangent. I remember when uh, the Oliver Stone film Alexander came out about five years after this yeah, and also seeing it in theaters. Hair. That's what everyone said. I remember everyone going like going on and on about Colin Farrell's <laughs> uh, wig in that movie. And yeah, it, it's obviously a wig. Um, but the real Alexander had hair like that from, you know, historical perspective. I don't know. I just never, I, it's something I never think about or care about. I don't know if it's just some, something to do with how I'm wired. Uh, so I, I don't have a problem with Dennis Leary in this movie where I will critique, you know, where I will criticize his character is I think his final scene is part of that problem that I have with the other, you know, final scenes in this movie. It, it all seems to be really kind of forced to, to get Rene Russo's character to, to, and, and Thomas Crown to, to this point where, where they have this big happy ending um, even though it's not really that logical that that's, you know, what would happen. Yeah, otherwise I don't really have a problem with Dennis Leary. Uh, there's a movie called, have you ever seen a movie called The Secret Lives of Dentists? No, I've never heard of this. It's a nice movie. I like it. Uh, Dennis Leary is in it, and it's him, and I think he's like a character inside Campbell Scott's head, and Campbell Scott and Hope Davis are a married couple. Uh, it's been years since I've seen it, but it's by a director uh, who uh, directed an upcoming movie that we're going to do on this podcast called Breakfast of Champions, Alan Rudolph. And it, I remember liking it. I have a copy of it somewhere. So maybe I should get around to rewatching it at some point. That's my only other like Dennis Leary performance I can even think of right now. Hmm. <laughs> 
I don't know what sort of hair. Uh, no, he's back to normal Densleary hair in this. Oh, good. Like. Four stars, right? I mean, yeah. Well, you know, Campbell Scott. Mm, I don't know about his look. Uh, I actually just on the hair thing. I think they were just like Densleary. You need to have more of a cop haircut. <laughs> like, you know, and that, maybe it's just distracting from his like normal look because it kind of always looks the same. Be it you know, rescue me or or whatever. Um, I don't know. I just I I think you're uh, yeah you're. You're totally wrong on the the hair thing, and Alexander. I think you just uh, you, know, you get get with the rest of us and be like that is distracting and uh, don't do it. Like we don't care if it's historically accurate. We don't care if a cop wouldn't have uh, Dennis Leary's like comedian haircut. Just you know, don't distract me when it comes on screen. It's I I never find it distracting. I never I never second guess it at all. I can't think. I cannot think of a movie where where someone's hair. People say they really hate. Courtney Cox's hair in Stream Three. That's the meme I've been seeing go is around. Is that the, where lately. she has it like colored in a certain no, way? Well, she, yeah, she's colored black. But the big thing is people don't like her bangs or something, and it just never, never bothers me at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's one of those things where I just don't. I'm just not wired to care about people's hair. <laughs> it's oh weird. God, this is awful. Jesus. Yeah, I'm not as I only Leave saw her Stream alone. Three once. Leave her alone. And I didn't, Come on. Didn't really care for it, but geez, oh, this is harsh. Leave her alone. Yeah. Come on. Leave her, what do you mean, leave her alone? What? There's a weird theme running throughout this uh, project of ours where you, you're definitely very protective of the rich and the very comfortable. I'm protective. Uh, yeah, I'm so- protective of actors because that's like I'm trained to be. It, it's hard to explain. <laughs> like, 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 like when you when you work on something. Like the, the actor's performance is also your work. And so you always kind of like, I don't know. I'm always well, very, the hair is that. not your work. Like you can rip on, I don't know whose decision that was, but someone made a mistake and they need to be you know reprimanded apparently, you know, almost 20 years later by the internet. Well, <laughs> so, okay. So do. there, there are some interesting hairstyles in, in our next movie. Some of which I think are planned to, to look, uh, you know, <laughs> odd and awkward in order to differentiate okay. some famous rich people, as you call them, uh, you know, from their typical personas. The elite that we must protect. The elite. On 99 from 99. The elite Illuminati who, who <laughs> killed Stanley Kubrick, if you've been following uh, <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> All right, so far I don't get the uh, the clue necessarily because I don't. I've we've watched a number of things, and I'm trying to think there's something else with bad hair. But I don't so think let's so. so think of a very rich uh, member of the elite who is playing a version of himself in this movie, and it appears as two characters in this film. Ah, uh, okay. And was famously snubbed for an Oscar uh, from for this from a film. musical uh, no, the, in 2006, and he. Uh, I guess walked out or something, and and you know people have always called him kind of a, a skin, thin skin uh, person ever since then. So well, okay, this is Bowfinger, and uh, Eddie Murphy should have been nominated uh, in the supporting category, I guess, for this role, <laughs> this dual performance here. That is my takeaway upon rewatch, and I can't wait to get into it. And it's actually the, it's uh, a double it's a double movie, and so the other movie paired with it, uh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> well, you sound enthusiastic about, about I mean, this back half of this Bowfinger episode. Okay, Ground, Groundhog's Day meets uh, a star from uh, Finding Nemo and Drive. Uh, that is the strangest clue you've ever given. Sure, it's pretty uh, yeah. strange. 
I don't know. Right, I don't um, know what else to do with it. Um, I'm just gonna say that this is probably the worst thing I watched this week for our uh, massive recording. So this, uh, oh. I guess, you could go with hair. Uh, you know, uh, our lead here, Sharon Stone, and as the muse in the Albert Brooks comedy, uh, has. Uh, a different haircut than she normally does. I'm not gonna say it's bad or good. I'm just gonna say I'm way more positive on on the muse than you are. So this will oh, be God. interesting. Well, that, uh, this will be really be interesting. This will be. I'm just gonna keep talking about Eddie Murphy then. This will be like a return to the Tarzan uh, episode. I think the great Tarzan. Um, so I might put that on double feature with Iron <laughs> Giant. I'm just in the mood for it again. Did you want to say anything more about the Thomas Crown affair? It's uh really good. It's really solid. And uh, I, I kind of wish that it was more uh, well regarded uh, now because I, I remember it being sort of like a surprise hit or like, you know, the adult choice mm-hmm. at the, the movies. Uh, but that uh, that didn't seem to last. And uh, I don't know why. The only thing I read about it was that they're looking at remaking it yet again with Michael B. Jordan in the lead role. Uh, but apparently your boy, uh, that crazy felon, uh, John McTiernan, uh, wrote a sequel to it while he was in prison. <laughs> so well, many, many I'm people guessing... have done their best writing in prison. So, <laughs> you know. I guess MGM has decided to go a different way. But no, I, I think this was a this is a true TNT movie, right? If it was on uh, uh, Basic Cable, came on, I think it would grab you uh, mm-hmm. and you would yeah. stick around for it. Actually, the one thing I didn't talk about during it um, was uh, my wife came in for the last 20 minutes and she recognized it. Not like a big movie person, uh, but she was like, oh, is this Thomas Crown Affair? She's like, oh, I love the ending of this. This is such a fun <laughs> movie. And so she just sat down and watched the last 20 minutes with me. So I, I thought like, well, that's that's your Oscar right there. If you, <laughs> if you get mm-hmm. someone saying like, oh, cool, the last 20 minutes, uh, I want to see it. I think, I think uh, it- so, yeah. I think it compares favorably to something like like Duplicity. Uh, I think if you mm, like a movie yeah. like that, you'll like uh, mm-hmm. the Thomas Crown Affair from 1999. And uh, I think I think you know, let McTiernan McTiernan be free. You know, he's paid his debt <laughs> to society. Uh, he's a you know, white collar crime. Come on. Uh, well, you of course you defend that. You defend the rich and the elite. So you're, you're definitely in a slap comparison. On the wrist. I mean, in comparison, have you been paying attention uh, for the last? We have you know for the last few years. I mean, you know, in compa- I mean, Mel Gibson and John McTiernan are going to like win the Gene Herschel uh, Humanitarian Award. Uh, I think at this point. I was going to make a joke about spending my time watching uh, the Muse, but I feel like yeah, we should probably just get out now before <laughs> before this recording goes longer. <laughs> We'll be back. Check us out for Bowfinger and the Muse. In the windows of your mind. Like a circle in a spiral. Like a wheel within a wheel. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99 